Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Entirely the Right Sort of Podcast, a podcast about the King Killer Chronicle. But as I've put myself on a little hiatus, it has become a podcast about some more of my favorite things, recommendations from other fictional worlds I enjoy. Today's episode is not so much about a fictional world as it is about a fictional galaxy, one that is quite far, uh, far away. And I, so I put out a little poll a couple months ago asking what readers would like me to talk about in the Star Wars book lore. Since Entirely the Right Sort of Podcast is mostly focusing on female characters, I wanted to know if folks wanted to hear about my favorite Star Wars books with female characters or my favorite Star Wars books with female authors. And then I had a third option with just my favorite Star Wars books overall. So the winner was my favorite Star Wars books by female authors. So I'm going to run down seven-ish of those since we all know seven is a very significant number in King Killer. I am not going in any particular order of favorite. The order I'm going in is just the order I read them in. And I'm going to put timestamps in the episode description. So if you don't want to be spoiled or if you don't want to hear about a particular book, you can skip around. I am also, um, the majority of these are in the new canon, but one of them is Legends. Um, so hopefully you'll forgive me on that. And I'm going to fudge the numbers a little bit because there are two books in particular that are part of a duo slash trio. Also, um, unfortunately, for those who maybe wanted to hear about seven different authors, there are some author repeats just because I have high standards for this list. And I did want to get seven authors in there, but frankly, there are books by female authors in the Star Wars canon that I don't really like. <laughs> so you're going to hear E.K. Johnston and Claudia Gray a couple times, so I hope that's okay. Here's the rundown of the books that I'm going to get to. I was going to say seven books, but it's not seven. Number one, Wild Space by Karen Miller. Technically, this is called The Clone Wars Wild Space. I'm just going to call it Wild Space, and that's the only book outside of the new canon. Two, Ahsoka by E.K. Johnston. Three, Queen's Peril by E.K. Johnston. I will also be talking about its follow-up, Queen's Shadow. And there's a third book in this series called Queen's Hope coming out in November. November. Number four, Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. Number five, Dr. Aphra by Sarah Kuhn. This is a, I guess, a novelization, but it's more of a script. And if you've read the comics, you know Aphra has a lot more adventures in the comics. Number six, Leia, Princess of Alderaan by Claudia Gray. I will also be talking about Bloodline uh, by Miss Gray because they're kind of a duo. And number seven, Rebel Rising by Beth Revis, or perhaps Beth Revis. Honorable mention real quick to the Rise of Skywalker novelization by Ray Carson. I have many problems with that movie, but the novelization um, really, it didn't fix everything, obviously, because it wasn't Ray Carson's story. That was a J.J. Abrams joint, unfortunately, but I think it did fill in 
some gaps and it made the the story more palatable to me. So those are the seven books we're going to get into. Quick spoiler warning, I'm not necessarily going to go too much into the plot of these books, but I am a little bit. And also I would caution you that I am going to discuss kind of wider Star Wars lore. Not so much the... Not so much the other books, but a bit about the Clone Wars um, animated series, not so much Rebels, and of course, the Skywalker Saga and Rogue One. So first on my list is Wild Space by Karen Miller. As I said, this is not in the new Star Wars canon. Um, There, I guess, are parts of it that deviate but someone suggested this to me after I was talking about on social media about how much I love Bail Organa because I do really love Bail Organa. So the crux of this book is Bail Organa and Obi-Wan going on a journey into, I guess even into past the Outer Rim, what they call wild space. The There is a decent amount of action, but there is a lot of political and moral discussion between these two characters, both of whom I like very much. So this takes place after the first battle of Geonosis, so after Attack of the Clones, and it gives these two characters time to become friends and become allies. There are some folks who say that they're a little out of character. I don't necessarily see it like that. So I don't, I don't know. I really like this book. I have a couple issues with the ending, but I think overall this is a good read and um, has a lot of good discussion. Number two is Ahsoka by E.K. Johnston. Um, one, uh, E.K. Johnston, one of the, in my opinion, best authors of Star Wars, the other being Claudia Gray, who I love very much. And of course, Timothy Zahn does a great job with the Thrawn trilogy. Um, But, you know, Ahsoka is my favorite character. So this is the first Star Wars book that I've read. If you haven't read it, I recommend uh, the audiobook, which is read by Ashley Eckstein, who did Ahsoka's voice in the Clone Wars TV series and in Rebels and in that tiny, you know, little end of The Rise of Skywalker. I love this book because I love Ahsoka and I love the work that E.K. Johnston does. But more importantly, I guess the era I'm most interested in in Star Wars is the end of the Republic and into the beginnings of the Empire and the early rebellion. So this book takes place, I would say in 18 BBY. Uh, You know, at the end of Clone Wars season seven, uh, by this point, Ahsoka is out of the Jedi Order. She has that final battle with Maul. And then her path after that is not really defined and we catch up with her again some years later in Rebels. So there is some discrepancy in the beginning with kind of what happens at the end of Ahsoka's Clone Wars journey. I think this is because E.K. Johnson based this story 
off of some storyboard she saw for Clone Wars Season 7 that they originally ended up moving, uh, moving around. So there's some difference between what happened in the show and what happens in the book. I It didn't take away my enjoyment of it. It just... One thing about Star Wars and Clone Wars in particular that I think about sometimes is how very young some of these main characters are. Anakin is what, 22, 21 when he's made a general? Ahsoka is 14 when she's sent to the war. You know, you think about people like Barris. you think about um, even Padme It is so young in The Phantom Menace, and it's just tragic kind of to think of how much war and how much suffering that these characters go through. So Ahsoka, I guess is 17 18 during this time and it's just about her trying to make her way after order 66 trying to hide trying to hide her powers um and there are some cameos from the inquisitors and um one or two other cameos slash mentions that um, you'll, you'll enjoy if you're a big Clone Wars or Rebels fan or Star Wars in general, but overall, I just think this is a good story. It explores Ahsoka's relationship with the Force. Um, obviously she thinks and talks about Anakin and Obi-Wan. There's a little, um, bisexuality tease near the end of the book, which I think is fascinating, but overall I love this book because I just like spending time with Ahsoka. Next on the list, also by E.K. Johnson, we have Queen's Peril and its follow-up Queen's Shadow. These are Padme books and they are excellent. I I think I've said actually before on this podcast that I think Padme kind of gets overlooked, especially in the prequel movies. Um, not so much in Clone Wars, but but definitely in the movies. And I think characters that get majorly overlooked are the Handmaidens. These women uh, strongly feature in these two books. So the first, Queen's Peril, is about Padme's first, you know, election to becoming Queen of Naboo. Queen's Shadow is about when she is elected senator and how she, you know, first meets Bale... uh, big bail shout out again he'll be coming up again later um but so much of these books is about the handmaidens who they are what they do how they came up with you know the makeup and the voice and the plan for what happens if if Padme is hurt or how they can fill in for Padme it's really it's really fascinating to me and it it just gives you so much more of Padme as a leader even when she was young it gives you just kind of girl power I mean at at the beginning of Padme's reign I'm pretty sure she was 13 14 years old and was surrounded by all these other young women basically ready to to die for her so I really think that is an amazing, amazing relationship. In Queen's Peril, we do get to see parts of the Phantom Menace from Padme's point of view, which I think is really cool. But overall, these two books 
are, you know, not full of anything necessarily that you don't already know. I mean, we know how Padme's story goes. We know how Phantom Menace goes. But being able to get into the behind the scenes and really flushing out or fleshing out. I never know what that is and I'm not going to edit this out to the right one. Um, Just really getting these characters, giving them more life. E.K. Johnson does a really good job with that. And I love both of those books. Next up is Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray, which takes place maybe a couple years before The Phantom Menace. Uh, You'll notice a theme here of most of these are prequel era and Clone Wars era books, and that's because I love some of these characters. The reason I love this book is because we get to spend time with Qui-Gon. This is a book about Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan's relationship kind of, and it's kind of rocky. Obi-Wan, as we know, is not, I wouldn't call him always a rule follower, but at this young point in his life, he is much more interested in following the wishes of the council and being a good Jedi by the book. Qui-Gon, as more of a rogue, is much more interested in the living force and our, our, the his connection to the force, what the past teachers said, and definitely prophecies. And um, again, the more mystic element of the force. So these two, these two clash a bit. And they're basically sent on a mission um, to assist another Jedi named Rael Avaros, who has been serving as the steward of um, a young princess on another planet. So we do get kind of a even more rogue, rogue Jedi than Qui-Gon, I guess, um, on the scale of Mace Windu to Quinlan Vos, he's more on the Quinlan side for sure. That's a new metric I just made up. But I like this book because we get to spend time with Qui-Gon and because we see a side of Obi-Wan that we don't usually see, which is that he is unsure of himself and he is doubting and he is still a Padawan. We only get the one movie of him as a Padawan before he becomes Anakin's master. So there's just some great character development and rumination on what the Jedi Order is and what it means. And um, I quite like Qui-Gon and I, I do wish we had seen him more. I've heard a lot of people say that Anakin would have been a different person if it was Qui-Gon teaching him and not Obi-Wan. I think that's an interesting thought. I'm not really sure what I think about it, but it's definitely something that I think of when I'm reading this book. I like this book quite a lot. Next up is Dr. Afra by Sarah Kuhn. Afra, possibly the most millennial person in the galaxy. She, I wasn't really sure about this book at first just because Afra said epic so much and I that really felt very like 2015 to me um but she and I both got over it 
Dr. Afra, if you don't know her from the comics, is somewhat of a collector, somewhat of an archaeologist, I would say. And she ends up getting tangled with Darth Vader. And I'm not really going to spoil what she does for him or on his orders, but there are definitely some clues to Vader's family ties. And Afra, I believe, is one of the few people in the galaxy that knows some of Anakin's slash Vader's secrets. So this is just kind of a, a, a rollicking read. There's a lot of action. Um, Dr. Afra herself spends a lot of time talking and being sassy to Vader. There are some murderous droids. There is a scene or two with the Golden Trilogy. Golden Trio, sorry, not Golden Trilogy of Han, Luke, and Leia. And there is some implied, not implied, explied homosexuality or bisexuality or what have you, uh, which always piques my interest when I'm reading a damn book. Um, so that's a really fun read. I um, recommend, again, the audiobook that has a great cast of voices, um, including some you'll recognize from the Clone Wars series. So this is uh, this is a very fun read. Next up, jumping forward a little bit in the timeline, is Leia, Princess of Alderaan by Claudia Gray, which features not only Leia, whom I love, but everybody's favorite Dilf, Bail Organa, the man himself. This book is set a couple years before A New Hope, I would say, and it focuses on Leia's kind of coming of age, officially pledging herself as Princess of Alderaan and going through a couple trials, you know, in a ceremonial way to prove that she is worthy. The, in this book, she meets um, who we know is Vice Admiral Holdo from The Last Jedi, but a younger Amelin Holdo from the planet of Galalenta, Gadalenta, which sounds like a really cool place to vacation. Um, so it's basically about Leia coming of age, becoming, you know, from a girl to a young woman, but also obviously the seeds of rebellion that she discovers that her parents have been sowing, um, and beginning to work on. I really appreciate that we get to spend more time with Bale's wife, Briha Organa. We actually, I'm going to back up a bit, do get to see her a bit in Queen's Shadow by E.K. Johnston. It, it, we get to see both of them. So um, I always love spending time with characters who who we don't really know about. And I'll also give a shout to Bloodline by Claudia Gray, which takes place after the original trilogy and focuses on Leia setting up the New Republic Senate and deals with kind of the ramifications of trying to say that you're fighting for peace and goodness in the galaxy, but 
oh yeah, Darth Vader's your dad. So both of these books add some good character to someone we have spent a decent amount of time with, especially in, you know, comics and legends lore. But I always enjoy hearing more about Leia. Leia as a teenager, you get to see kind of as you get to see with, you know, her mom in the early Padme books, those hints of her overall personality mixed in with the fact that she's kind of a different person just because she's still a kid. So these are are really, really exciting books to me. Last and certainly not least is Rebel Rising by Beth Revis, or perhaps Revis. This is a Jen Erso book, and I was surprised at how much I really, really enjoyed it. We do not get much time with Jen Erso or many of the main characters in Rogue One. This kind of takes you from when Jin, when Jin's mom is killed and her her dad's taken from her when she's about six, from when Saw Gerrera takes her in up until um, the point where she's captured and and we find her waiting, um, kind of in that prison at the beginning of Rogue One. So Jin was someone I didn't really understand for a little bit, um, but reading this book really helped broaden her character coming into Rogue One. There is a book, uh, Catalyst, by James Luceno, which is more about Jin's parents. You do get some early stuff about Jin, but this is just her on the run, learning to fight. Um, a lot of her forging documents, which she's very good at, that is one of the crimes um, that the new Repo- or the rebel officer accuses her of in Rogue One when she first comes before them. As with many of these other characters, Jin goes through more in her first handful of years than anyone should. Um, her life is very much a tragedy. So it is, you know, quite a sad book. A lot of these books are because it's not Star Peace, it's Star Wars. And you can put that on a t-shirt. That's going to be my first bit of merch. It's not Star Peace, it's Star Wars. But I I really enjoyed this book and learning more about Jin, what drives her, what scares her, and just what she learns in her time with the galaxy before we meet her in that prison transport. And that's my Star Wars book list short list. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope I didn't ramble too much. I was totally off script for this one, as you may have been able to tell, because the idea of writing this and putting research into it like I did was daunting. And then I finally said, why don't you just sit down on the floor of the closet and record it? Give the people what they want. And what they want is a King Killer podcast, and I am working on that. In personal news, I uh, got a new job, um, and I had been a, I had been unemployed for about a year, and I'm finally gainfully employed again. So we can thank Taylor for that. I am 
still on hiatus, but I am hoping to have new episodes, new character profiles soon of the men of King Killer Chronicle. I'm gonna say by the end of 2021. Um, as I'm publishing this now, it's the beginning of September. Um, for my small, sweet, and loyal fan base, I know that I'm sure you wish it was earlier. I do too. I just am not going to promise something I can't necessarily deliver on. So please keep an eye out on your feeds, on Twitter. Feel free to send me any questions you might have and let me know how else uh, you want me to fill my time and your feeds in this hiatus. I'm on Twitter at ETRSOP. I'm at ETRSOP at gmail.com. I also have a Ko-Fi or coffee set up. If you want to toss a coin to your potter, oh, valley of not much because I don't pot a lot. Um, but that's it. Hey, I hope everyone's staying happy and healthy. Thank you for sticking with me now for almost a year and a half. And, oh, of course, may all your stories be glad ones and your roads be smooth and short. See you later.